1: G'day and welcome to this bonus edition of Shares for Beginners. I'm Phil Muscatello. Listeners to this podcast will be aware that there's a special place in my heart for the Australian Shareholders Association. They're a fantastic organisation that lobby for the interests of shareholders as well as providing a wealth of investing education. I've partnered with the association to produce a new podcast called The Equity Investor Journey. I'm sharing an episode as you may be interested in hearing more. This one features Steve Mapp. He's a professional investor and a company monitor for the ASA. He's talking about some of the ETFs that he has in his portfolio. They offer access to a much wider range of investment choices than simply buying a single company on the Australian share market. I hope you enjoy listening
0: having lived in the US for a while, I mean, identity theft is a huge problem over there and there's lots of companies that are, you know, providing subscriptions for credit monitoring and identity protection and that kind of stuff. This is a pretty big problem and, you know, hopefully the companies that are in that ETF have a better chance than average i think of you know doing above average revenue over the next few years at least as they try and help governments and companies and individuals combat you know the
1: cybersecurity problem welcome back to the equity investor journey brought to you by the australian shareholders association i'm phil muscatello today i'm welcoming stephen mebb who is a professional investor and an asa monitor g'day stephen how's it going G'day, Phil. Really well, thanks. How are you? Oh, I am very excited about this new podcast. I've got to say, it's um, it's just great to be doing some work for the the Shareholders Association. here. we both? Um, I think we've both fallen in love with them, haven't we?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Look, I think it's terrific as well, mate. And I'm, you know, I am hoping lots of ASA members get you know lots of good information and ideas out of the podcast. I think it's terrific that uh, you know ASA and, and you are doing that for the members.
1: So today we're going to be talking about exposure to international markets via well-chosen ETFs. But uh, first of all, tell us a little bit about your background and what you did before becoming a full-time investor.
0: Yeah, so I am, you know, I'm fortunate that I'm I'm the tender age of 44 at the moment um, and my executive career has been in the footwear business where um, I worked for you know a couple of different companies in Australia when I was younger and then um, with some Aussie business partners took a, uh, a footwear brand over to the US in 2007 and um, it was just before the GFC so our timing wasn't great but uh, well, we just kind of decided to stick it out and, uh, and try and launch the business even through that period um, and then over the next you know 12 or 13 years we, we built Vionic uh, which was the brand name up into one of the top 20 footwear brands in America, which was fantastic, um, really enjoyed it. I lived over there for for about 10 years. Um, and then in 2018, we sold the business to one of the big publicly listed footwear groups over there. Um, and that gave me, you know, a nice chunk of capital to, um, you know, to do something with. So for the last couple of years, I've, you know, basically become a full-time investor and um you know really focused on trying to learn as much as i can and you know asa has been a huge part of that journey i've you know learned a lot and been to lots of events with the queensland team in particular we've got a great team up here of conveners reema and alison and jill and don and all the team and um i've been to lots of meetings and learned lots and you know i'm sure we'll continue to learn lots going forward
1: so what was that first step that you took before you made your first investment what did you do to um keep yourself informed
0: Yeah, well, I'd I'd actually, you know, read Scott Pape's book, The Barefoot Investor book, and, you know, learned some good stuff out of that. Um, And then I thought, oh, well, you know, I I don't want to put all my money into the market straight away. I'll I'll start with, you know, little small amounts and just practice a little bit, so to speak, which is what I did. I, you know, made a few, um, you know, stock picks and uh, kind of tracked how that was going. And then, you know, as I kind of did more of that, I kind of built my confidence and saw how the results were. We're going as I was tracking it and, you know, just, you know, then started to dollar cost average, I suppose, and put more money into the market each month. So, so yeah, ASA has been a huge part of that for me though because I've learned, you know, so much from going to the meetings and talking to other members that, you know, I wouldn't have got there as quickly on my own, of course.
1: Wise and opinionated.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that's kind of part of the, I think part of the...
1: It's part of the fun of it, isn't it?
0: You can yeah. test your thinking and, you know, get other people's point of views and, you know, even if you don't agree with them, it's you know, it's still good to kind of challenge your thinking or, you know, get you considering something you might not. So yeah, it's a, it's a great
1: process. Well, it's like um, I've, I've spoken with a couple of fundies on um, my other podcast and they have meetings and they often have quite robust discussions in those meetings where they're testing each other's uh, investment theses, theses out. So when you're an investor on your own, it's good to be able to have someone to chat with and uh, test your ideas out.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I do think it can be a little bit lonely at times, right? Investing when you're on your own and, you know, just at home or whatever. So it is great to, you know, get together with other people and, you know, chat about those things and hear some other ideas. So yeah, terrific, terrific to be part of the group.
1: So we're going to be talking about uh, ETFs for getting into international markets. Why do investors need to consider international markets?
0: Yeah, well, I, you know, I've thought about that a lot um, and I guess I'm fortunate that I had quite a bit of international business experience, you know, spending a long time in the States and, you know, we also did business through Europe and Asia Pacific, um, you know, and Australia was actually one of our smallest markets, to be honest. Um, so I kind of learned a lot from, you know, doing business in those markets when I was in the footwear business um, and then subsequently I've listened to, you know, what I think are some very smart people in Australia that focus on international um, equities and bonds, et cetera. Um, so I'd, I'd been to some meetings and listened to those people and learned a lot. And, uh, you know, I, I think some of, the, some of the stats that really got me thinking were, you know, just the rate of growth that's projected in Asia in the next 10 years. Um, you know, there's, there's some pretty serious tailwinds behind, you know, particularly China and India. And in Australia, we get a lot of, you know, I think, you know, sometimes negative press about some of the Asian markets. But, you know, when you strip away the populist type rhetoric and look into the, the numbers, you know, the demographics and the amount of growth that's projected in, you know, Asia Pacific, particularly in the next 10 years, um, to me felt like uh, I wanted to at least have have some of my portfolio allocated there. Hamish Douglas from Magellan, you know, I've heard him talk several times about China. They've got a lot of their, you know, fund invested in Chinese companies or U.S. companies doing business in China. There's another really smart lady I listened to at an ASA event, Dr. Mary Manning from Elliston Capital, and she's a real expert on India. So I've listened to a few podcasts with her and learned a lot from her as well as hearing her at the ASA meeting. You know, that that just got me thinking that I, you know, I don't necessarily want to have all my money in Australia. I mean, I love Australia and we've got a great, you know, group of companies here too. But, you know, about Lots of people would have heard this, right? But I think it's about forty percent of our market's made up of you know banks and miners. So I didn't want all my money allocated there. I, you know, I really wanted some of it to be in some of the you know the other types of companies that are changing the way the world operates that you just can't get you know directly in Australia.
1: Well, for me, what really uh, brought it into focus was hearing a presentation from Emma Kirk from Magellan, where they were talking about a company like um, LVHM, which. Uh, investing through LVHM into the Chinese market. and, and um,
0: I've actually had a good chat to Emma myself at um, oh, okay. at, a, a, at a meeting. And, yeah, she's very knowledgeable. I yeah. went along to one of her presentations too. and Yeah, I mean, uh, Louis Vuitton, you know, Moe Hennessy, I think it is, LVMH, right? And, um, yeah, they're they're at the forefront of taking advantage of um, the, you know, the rising wealth and consumption that's happening in China. And, you know, her and Hamish have both, you know, talked about... Um, pretty much a tripling of what they'd call the upper class in China. I think the projection is that, you know, there's 50 million people right there right now that can, you know, afford a Louis Vuitton bag, but it's projected to go to about 150 million in the next 10 years. And then the middle class, which is more kind of like an average Western-style level of consumption, I guess, I think it's about, you know, 150 million people right now and that's projected to go to 300 million. I might have those stats a little bit wrong potentially. It's just off the top of my head. But I know that, yeah, that that kind of growth over 10 years is going to, you know, assuming it plays out or even if it plays out at half that rate, it'll still be a much higher rate of Growth and consumption, then we're going to see in probably lots of parts of the developed world or the Western world. So, um, so I, you know, I like having some exposure to some companies there, like Louis Vuitton and others that you know are, are hopefully going to take advantage of that growth.
1: So it's not very difficult to get into international markets anymore because uh, you don't have to go and to set up an account, but you can do it with an ETF that's available on the ASX.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So that's really how I've done it, Phil. And, um, you know, John Cowling, our great CEO at uh, ASA, he asked me to write uh, an article for Equity Magazine, which I did around this. So, you know, what, what we're talking today about, you know, I think there's an article in last month's, the, the March issue and maybe another one coming up in April that cover cover these ETFs that I've been exposed to, um, but yeah, that is the point, right? You don't have to directly, you know, trade in America or China or anything like that. You don't have to worry about opening, you know, international accounts and foreign currency and all that kind of stuff. You can get exposure to lots of these things using credible, you know, trustworthy ETFs that are listed on our ASX, and and, and that's how I've done it. I've basically built a por- portfolio of seven. ETFs that are all, you know, some of them are indexes that track the, the really broad index and then a few of them are themes that are, you know, t- trying to tap into some of the, um, you know, the growth stories in, in these areas above and beyond the index. Um, and that portfolio has done, you know, really well for me. I'm, I'm, you know, beating it. I've been doing it for about a year and a half, two years now and my portfolio is beating the, the all odds by a long way. Um, and it, even through this, you know, big unfortunate, tough downturn we're having at the moment, that portfolio is still up about 10% um, due, through that you know year and a half, two-year period. So it's been the best performing part of my investing so far and you know I'm feeling obviously more comfortable and confident in, in this part of my investing going forward based on the results so far.
1: Okay, you've started investing in the stock market. Now, how do you track trades, dividends and distributions and all those other goodies? Throw away those clunky spreadsheets with ShareSight. I have my portfolio and ShareSite and everything is automatically recorded. ShareSite is pleased to extend a special offer to listeners of this podcast. Four months free on an annual premium plan. Go to ShareSite.com slash shares for beginners and sign up now for a seven day free trial before taking advantage of four free months. That's ShareSite.com slash shares for beginners. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. Well, it's interesting, too, that you've uh, one of the themes that you've invested in is uh, cyber security. And um, that, that seems to be a very obvious thing where companies that, in, that are involved in that space uh, are in very high demand. People don't realise what's going on in the background trying to keep systems and functions... Um, yeah, exactly. Keep, ...keeping them going.
0: Exactly, yeah. I mean, it, having lived in the US for a while, I mean, identity theft is a huge problem over there. And there's lots of companies that are, you know, providing subscriptions for... Um, you know, credit monitoring and identity protection and that kind of stuff. So we did that while we were there because we didn't want to get, you know, our data hacked and not know about it. Um, but, you know, then you you read about, you know, the last US election and, you know, other governments meddling in the US election. And I think to myself, well, you know, if the US government can't even protect itself against some kind of, you know, cyber threats, this is a pretty big problem. And, you know, hopefully the companies that are in that, um, that ETF, have a better chance than average, I think, of you know doing above average revenue over the next few years, at least, as they try and help governments and companies and individuals combat you know the cyber cybersecurity problems. So you know it may, it may not play out, but I just thought that was a you know a bit of a theme that that I'd you know put a little bit of my portfolio into and um, and again that's just an ETF that's listed on the ASX that has about 50 global companies that focus on you know helping companies and governments with that problem
1: Where, what what is the um, the ticker of that uh, that ETF
0: yeah the code is called hack which is you know pretty good ticker for that kind of thing <laughs> I suppose I think it's a it's a beta shares ETF that one and yeah the, the tickers called hack yeah yeah it, it i obviously covered this in the article that I wrote for equity but um, it did pay a really big dividend last year and I know a lot of people you know, love dividends as, as I do too if you can mm-hmm. get them but ha- I did talk to Beta Shares about that and the dividend last year was, was a big part of it was realised capital gains so they weren't as confident that that dividend was going to be the same this year if you go and look at this and you think that's a juicy dividend, I'm, I'm not sure it's going to be the same again this year having talked to BetaShares It's not sustainable. It. Yeah, it was, it was a bit of a one-off I think as they realised some capital gains in the But, you know, it was still income and they still paid it out. And, you know, I was happy to take it last year when it came through.
1: You'll take it anyway.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
1: (laughs) So the other um, ETFs you were talking about was a a NASDAQ ETF and an an S&P 500 index ETF.
0: Yeah. So I did a lot of homework on, you know, how the US market's been performing against, you know, the all odds and, you know, as far back as these indexes or ETFs, you know, have history for. And what was interesting was... The the, um, S&P 500 has outperformed the all odds by about 5% a year, I think it is, over the last five years Um, in terms of this is all total return again, right? So including dividends for both indexes. So the S&P 500 is beating Australia, you know, pretty comfortably for the last five years. And then the NASDAQ is actually beating the all odds by about 10% a year for the last five years. And when you think about why it's, you know, well, it's Apple and it's Facebook and it's Amazon and it's Google and it's, you know, Berkshire and all these kind of companies, that, that's what's in the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ in, you know, certain companies. Um, so, you know, I've, I've allocated, you know, about 20% of that international portfolio to each of those two because they're really broad indexes. They're, you know, obviously very well diversified and you don't have to worry about picking the winners. You know, whoever the top 500 companies are in America, you're going to get that. With the S and P 500, and it's really low cost as well. I think the the um, management fees about zero point zero four percent to actually have exposure to that S and P 500. So. It's, you know, much better, obviously, than getting the same thing through a fund manager that might be 1% or 2% in that, in that instance. So that's, that's where I've got, you know, a good chunk of my money in those two US indexes.
1: And how about the Asian ETFs? What are you looking at uh, in those?
0: In, in Asia, I've got, um, got a few different ones as well. So again, I've got a really broad index, which is Vanguard this time. So that the ticker for that's VAE. And that's uh, basically the top 1,200 companies across the whole of, of Asia, Um, So again, really broadly diversified, obviously China is a big part of that, India's in there, South Korea, Taiwan, all those kind of things. Um, And again, the management fees, you know, fairly low for that one. I think it might be maybe 0.4% or something like that off the top of my head. Again, it's in the article if you want to refer back to it Or, or, you know, any of these ETFs, you can do a really quick search online too, just search the ticker code and then there's always a fact sheet for them that'll tell you what the fees are
1: do you know the website etf watch
0: oh yeah i do it's really good yeah i i think i might have is it steve bull i think i might have listened to one of your podcasts with steve before which was great so yeah that is a great site to visit and you know check all the details so yeah i've got the vanguard really broad index and and what's interesting about that one is the PE ratio for that um, Asian uh, index is a lot lower than what Australia or you know, the US average P is. I think it was maybe around 12 or something like that recently. Um, and also the rates of growth are a lot higher. So the, the companies in that index on average are growing, I think, about 11% per annum and the return on equity is really good too i think it's around 14 15% return on equity for those top 1200 asian companies as well so it looks to me like it's really good value i thought compared to you know the us or the australian indexes that were a lot you know lot pricier than that for the rate of growth we're getting um, so that's a big one and then i have a couple of you know more themed ones again so there's one called the ticker is called asia and that's basically the top fifty technology and IT companies in Asia, and and it's the equivalent of the Facebook, the Microsoft, the Google, etc. So it's Alibaba and Tencent and Baidu and JD, um, some Indian technology companies as well. So so it really covers the kind of Asian versions of what we're all really familiar with in the US and Australia, um, and that that's held up really well actually through the, the downturn we've been having too. It's not off anywhere near as much as the the um, developed indexes are. So, so I've been really happy with that and I, I think, again, there's obviously good future growth prospects for companies that are in, you know, that part of the, the economy. Um, and then another one that I have is called New is the ticker for that one. That's basically kind of the NASDAQ of China, if you like. So it's the top 120 companies specifically in China in the new economy. So it kind of excludes banks and miners and financials and stuff like that. And instead focuses on healthcare and IT, consumer spending, consumer discretionary type stuff. So, so again, that's done really well through the downturn as well. And, um, you know, obviously there's risk in all of these things, you know, if, things suddenly went bad in China or the government changed the rules or something, then, of course, you know, you'd want want the option or you have the option to get out. But at the moment, my base case is that that's some good diversification for me and that, you know, hopefully most of those themes are going to do as well or better than the all Ord's does for me and I want some of my money allocated there.
1: So just before we sign off, you're an ASA company monitor. Who do you monitor? Who have you got in your sights at the moment?
0: Yeah, so I am I'm not um, an accountant by trade, you know, in, in any way, shape or form. So uh, I've been trying to learn as much as I can about financial statements and accounting, and, you know, it's obviously really important for my investing as well, I thought, to, to know that stuff. Um, so, yeah, I've, I've recently joined the company monitoring team um, and, uh, you know, going through the process of learning, you know, how all, all that works. Um, so I worked with a couple of monitors that are already existing monitors up here in Queensland, Mike Sackett and, and Alan, um, on technology one, um, which is one of the, the really, you know, very high-performing Australian companies over the last 10 years or so. Um, it's an enterprise software business out of Brisbane. So uh, I assisted Mike um, with with that one and, you know, obviously met with the, the team and then the uh, attended the AGM and all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, and going forward, I'm hoping to, uh, you know, to monitor a couple of companies working with Fiona in, in head office um, that have recently been added to the ASX 200 and we're not currently monitoring um, because I have holdings in both of them, so... So, yeah, working with Fiona and hopefully at some point we might be able to start monitoring Jumbo Interactive and EML, which are, you know, n- new entrants or newer entrants into the ASX 200 that we haven't covered before. And, again, they're both based up here in Brisbane. So, um, so you yeah, look, it's a great process, the monitoring, you know, from a personal point of view. I'm learning, you know, plenty going through that process. But it's also one of the great value propositions, I think, that ASA offers, right, that we're out there talking to the largest companies in Australia, meeting with management and then trying to represent retail shareholders, you know, in the right, away with those uh, those companies so i'm i'm really happy that asa does it and i'm trying to give back a little bit and help out there however
1: i can yeah keep them on the straight and narrow hey some of these companies need it don't they yeah, they, need exactly. it, they need the right incentives exactly. I, in I mean place.
0: look hopefully most of them are good but when they're off track it's good to have someone like asa to you know at least give them pause for thought and uh and hopefully challenge them on some of the things they, they're doing that
1: might be good for us Stephen Mapp, thank you very much for joining me today
0: thanks very much Phil. my pleasure and yeah appreciate all the hard work you're doing
1: This podcast is for information and educational purposes only. It isn't financial advice as we don't know your personal financial situation, so you shouldn't buy or sell any investments based on what you've heard here. Any opinion or commentary is the view of the speaker only. This podcast doesn't replace professional advice regarding your personal financial needs, circumstances or current situation.